listening to me? What do you want to do with your life? I want to rock. Welcome to Rock Talk. I'm John Otney. I'm Colin Westwood. And it's time to get your yayas out. You may know us from some of our other podcasts. We do Stream Police, Top 10 Thursdays. If you've been to our blog, MadThePolice.com, you also know we like to talk about classic rock. So I think me and Colin thought this would be a good opportunity to like get to know like how we feel like like in a more personal way than ever. Because you've, you've seen our writing, but like I feel like, Colin, we're constantly... Like we'll be in a group of friends and we'll want to like start talking about like, like obscure like rock stuff, but like no one else wants to. Mm-hmm. So this is like an outlet for that, you know. This is because I don't think like would Sean want to come on here and talk about like, I don't know, Aerosmith. No, I mean it's strange when I sometimes talk to Sean because I always like I talk to him about music so much, but it's always about music that came out like a month or two ago because he refuses to listen to old music and I just like will have these moments where I'm like oh Sean's never like listened to I don't know what's a band Sean would like but he hasn't listened to like a R.E.M. album or something (laughs) I I feel the same way with like my girlfriend and with like my brother just like I feel like these people like you know they They'd like it if they really gave it a shot, but they really don't. And I, I feel like I have all this like knowledge building up and just like albums I want to talk about, but I never get the opportunity to. So this is our opportunity too. Um, but with this podcast, I think what we wanted to do is start with a very broad topic and kind of just branch off from that. So we were talking about beforehand that we wanted to do concerts, talk about some of our best concert experiences, some of our earliest concert experiences, and then tie in like our appreciation to uh, like certain artists or disdain for certain artists if you've ever been to a show that you hate. And I can think of a couple shows that I've maybe been to that weren't great. So let's start with some of our earliest shows. Colin, do you remember the first show you ever went to? Yep. And it was one that I'm not particularly proud of, but I feel like your first concert should be someone who's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> like if you went to your first show and it was like, I don't know. Goo Goo Dolls. No, Goo Goo Dolls is good because that's totally <laughs> lame. <laughs> like if your first show was like Stereo Lab or something, like some hip '90s band. Oh, oh we're going that When you're like seven years old, you're like, my mom brought me. I feel like we have a friend. Oh yeah, AJ. <laughs> yeah. AJ's always like, oh yeah, I basically like saw like Nirvana is like in the womb or something. Yeah, so that doesn't like count. <laughs> if you weren't physically bored, just because like your fetus was near the band, it's not like you but absorbed. Still, music that's waves. probably a pretty early Nirvana show because he's probably born in '89. So that's like the bleach. I don't know era. if that's right. If I got the right band with the right, I feel band. like I've heard AJ talk. Like he saw Nirvana in the womb. In the womb. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for most people, it's it's embarrassing, and yours was yeah. I didn't say it was uh, Coldplay. <laughs> That's not so bad. Like that was like good Coldplay, right? Uh, this was the X and Y tour, so it was like when it was starting to show that maybe they weren't <laughs> that great. Because I feel like those first two albums, like I like, and they were critically acclaimed enough. Like I feel like. The only reason I 
probably thought it was okay to like Coldplay was because A Rush of Blood to the Head is on the 500 greatest albums yeah, Rolling, Rolling Stone. Stone put out, which I'm sure I will talk about a lot on this podcast. because like defined like what we listen to. Especially me. It was like... Because I think when you're a teenager and you're getting into, you know, whatever music, like if it's better rock music than what you're being fed by sort of the mainstream or whatever, you need that guide. Like sometimes it's an older brother or that cool friend who knows something. And for me, it was that list, I guess, because... We kind of came of age in the time when the internet was getting bigger, and that sort of became a place to find out music. You didn't need people as much, which is kind of sad <laughs> that there isn't as much of that interactive discovery of music, like connecting with people and stuff, that you can just find stuff online. It was important to me, too, because I feel like I was a late bloomer when it came to music, and a lot of the early bands that I liked were like, Basically, when I was like 11 or 12, all I liked were the Beatles, Weird Al, and maybe they might be Giants. But then, like, I started, like, like we started to, like, play music and stuff, and it's like, oh, I want to get more into, like, you know, some stuff, but I didn't know where to go. So, like, Rolling Stone. And, like, it seems like now it's like, oh, my God, it's like corporate fuck sellout bullshit. <laughs> yeah, like, but, like, when people... you're that young and in that era, it's like, oh, this is perfect. I needed, like, a, like a beginner's guide. I need someone to hold my hand. Most people would definitely say that list is very, uh, baby boomer centric like most things yeah. related to rolling stone which may have informed our tastes which are a little bit like oh, no. our parents tastes instead of people our age which is odd but, but I, I needed that because my first show which i'm not like super embarrassed about but it was weird al i don't know i don't really i don't like really count it because like is that what the evergreen state fair i'm not even sure if it's still called that and i don't it might have even been free and you just sit down, like, in bleacher seats. Well, I mean, if you're going to the fair, they're not going to charge you, like, an extra admission there's, for there's the certain concert t- There's certain, like, artists I've noticed, like, at certain fairs, they'll charge you more. Like, I think at the Puyallup Fair, like, a year ago or whatever, they had, oh, uh, what's-her-face, that, uh, that, that rapper, uh, Iggy Azalea. Uh. Like, no way, that was free. What is she doing at fairs? <laughs> I don't know. She seems, like, she could play at Key Arena and stuff. No, yeah. she was, like... Because usually it's like Frankie Valley, his brother, <laughs> Billy Valley. <laughs> but anyways, I saw, I saw Weird Al, and it was okay. I mean, he does the costume things. I was like, it's fun if you're like ten. Did he have like video accompaniment? He did. That was like the best part. He showed clips from like these music videos and his movies. So. so it was a good show, but it's like I'm just, I'm just not really into that anymore. Like I'd say my first real show. Which is, like, I consider it my first real show because, like, there's no parental supervision. Like, my dad drove me to the venue. But it was, like, my first show where it's, like, I'm basically, like, an adult. Like, I'm, like, my own guy. Well, I mean, Nancy was with me. We went together. Went to go see Jet with the Vines and The Living End and some band called, like, Neon or something. They never made it. There were four bands? (laughs) Four bands! It's called the Australian Invasion Tour. It was at the Moor. 2004, I want to say? And that was an interesting experience because I'd never been to like a real venue. I'd never been to like a place to, to, to see a show that wasn't like a fair. Well, you yeah, know? you'd only see weird I probably, maybe I'd seen like snippets of like the turtle or something. I don't know. Maybe. But would that have also been at a fair? It would have been at a Yeah, I know, I'm saying. Okay, so you're right. Yes. Only okay. fair acts. <laughs> only fair acts. Experience. Like bullfighting and stuff. I'm a fair man. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm a fair man. <laughs> I'll give anything a try. I'm a fair man. Anyways. Yeah, it was a cool venue. We were up in the balcony, which was kind of weird. And I feel like Nancy, I wish I could remember this part, was getting in trouble somehow. Like, the the, the usher was yelling at him. Or not, you're just, like, annoyed by him. Or is he, like, security? Security, yeah. But they he, have ushers. In my memory, he shirts. wears, like, he was wearing, like, a bow tie and a vest. And he and Nancy kept remarking how he looked like Isaac Hansen. So he kept, oh, fucking hurts. Not <laughs> like to his face, right behind his back. And we sat down in our spots, right behind, like, this, this old wood where someone had carved fucking ween in the wood <laughs> like the band. I guess they must have played there they're like oh fuck weed fucking weed why fuck. did I go to this show better get up my knife that I always bring to shows <laughs> and that was that was funny because like um Jet wasn't e- that's who we went to see and they weren't even the the headliner it was the Vines and I didn't well, the Vines were pretty big they were this big this is what like 2003 yeah, three or four somewhere around there so I mean they were bigger bands get free that was a huge song um, but Jet was fine. They're exactly like they were, like I'd ex- you'd expect them to be, I guess. Just like a uh, bunch of mumbled. Uh, yeah, how you guys fucking doing? I was just. Were they smoking and drinking? On Probably. Stage? They were like, cause they I were like see that. That they were all into that shit. So like, we are the Rolling Stones, basically. Just rewrote Less for Life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of fun, except, and this is something we will probably touch on maybe once or twice, but maybe just this time throughout this podcast. Uh, if we're talking about concert etiquette or just concert rituals or whatever you want to call it, is when bands point to you and have you sing part of the song. <laughs> and the worst part is they did this on Are You Gonna Be My Girl? And, you know, if you remember back to 3 if you're live, I hope so. Uh, that was like a, a big song everybody If you're knew not, it. just fuck off, all right? Yeah. You stupid 12-year-old. <laughs> you don't understand rock and roll. But it's like, that's the one song everyone wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. So you can't like just point and have us sing. We sang uh, all of the verses. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever You ever been to a show? Where they, I've gone to a couple shows. I think maybe I went to an Oasis show where they're like, Point to you. You sing. Um, so that was a little disappointing. But I'd say overall they were okay. And the vines, I got into them later. I wasn't into them now, so that was kind of weird. They were kind of sloppy. Now being two thousand three. Now being two thousand three. Reliving this moment, right. beat by beat. But it was like an exciting experience. Like, and I got really sweaty, and I got my jet T-shirt that I wore for a couple of years and then we went outside and there's like a guy selling old computer games. What a hilarious... What kind of computer games? <laughs> it was like uh, Sim City, like 98. Okay. <laughs> it's like, that was that's kind of an interesting memory too because it's like, where, how do you acquire random games? You probably just found them in the garbage of some like <laughs> tech company. I mean, it's Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> and then trying to sell them. Yeah, I wonder if like how far any of those conversations went. So, well, do you have like the installation CDs? <laughs> like, does that have the user's manual? <laughs> but that always like that. I feel like that just kind of like, okay, that's my whole like memory. Like that, it made it like a good story, sort of. Just like, oh, this is my first concert. The computer games tied it all together. Because like, I feel like a big part of going to concerts in the city is like that awkward point either before or after the show where you're harassed by homeless people or like bothered by homeless people and you want to help them but they just keep coming and some of them are like 
kind of creepy. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I didn't get to ask you if anything else crazy happened at your first show. Like, or was it even good? Like, was it a solid? Well, I haven't show? even like talked yeah, about it. Went off on some tangent. <laughs> well, this was a kind of a different experience from yours because the Moor is a kind of a smaller venue. It's mm-hmm. like a theater, basically. And mine was at the White River Amphitheater. Still, never been there. I don't think. Really? Yeah. I've been there three times. I feel like my first three concerts were there yeah. and that I've never gone back. It's kind of strange now that I think about it. I don't even know where the White River Amphitheater is. Do you? Um, It's probably like in... I don't even know. I don't know where it I'm is. I'm looking. It's far away because I know that my parents it's in Auburn. Okay, Auburn. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I think I just, yeah... Don't usually see bands that are like, well, let's go out to Auburn. Like, this is the adequate size for the, our popularity here. Like, so that's like an outdoor venue. Then, does that have like seats or grass or? Yeah, it doesn't really have seats. It definitely has a beer garden okay. out on the lawn, which is where I was. Yeah, it's weird. Most of it is this giant lawn area where everybody. Uh, can sit or stand. Mm-hmm. People would bring uh, blankets, definitely, to those kind of shows. But I feel like everybody stood up once the show started, which was nice. It didn't feel like this casual, laid back. I'm just gonna watch Coldplay. <laughs> I'd watch Coldplay. Get my pan flute out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember enjoying it, like, because I liked Coldplay at the time, and, I mean, the Coldplay thing probably derived from the fact that I was also really into U2 at the time, and I was just like, well, they're just like the new U2. U2, U2 2.0. But younger and handsomer. (laughs) It's like, why, why wouldn't I want that? And, again, I say those first two Coldplay albums are all right. There's some so. decent songs on X and Y, I suppose. New and Viva La Vida's all right. <laughs> can't, can't say much for the other ones afterwards. Okay. Um, but I, guess, I guess the other weird thing about that venue is, like, I remember my parents dropped me off at, like, this parking lot at a mall nancy was also with me for this gig yeah, as well he's a good tag-along buddy yeah i forgot to mention something in my story he'd been to the moor just a week earlier to see the black eyed peas <laughs> that, who goes to see the black eyed peas at the moor what a weird he was just going to everything at that point it's just so it's weird. like he needs like i need to go to the shows i'll go yeah, it's weird because he'll go to nothing now. He has yeah. no interest in going to concerts. But now it sounds like Black Eyed Peas are, yeah, what song do they do? Sure, let's go. Yeah, they weren't like that big, I feel like. They had that, that like, maybe Where's the Love song. But this is like before, like, Let's Get It Started and yeah, stuff. Or Let's Get those, Retarded. All those timeless hits. <laughs> uh, anyways, after my parents dropped me out of this parking lot, we got, like, chartered on this bus to like go up it felt like we're like going being sent up into the hills to see this concert like it's such a fucking ordeal just to do you have to take a bus to get there i don't 
think so, but it's probably like a paid parking oh, lot there. But it's like, why why wouldn't my parents just bring me there? They're not staying. So who cares about the I get parking? it. Though. It's like it's like Emerald Downs. Emerald Downs is a system where it's like they take you a little shuttle to go so there. Weird. <laughs> or you park there, but it's like a million dollars. I just remember a few concerts later when I also went to see a show there. It was at uh, Crosby, Stills, Dash, and Young. Yeah. And this was like, it's basically them doing a tour in support of that Neil Young Iraq album. Living with war. Living with war. And I just remember some old people talking on the bus on the way back being like, how'd you feel about that Let's Impeach the President song? It's kind of out there, isn't it? (laughs) Wow, what a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Was that the second time you went there? Or was it the third time? I think that was the second time. I can't remember. I saw Coldplay, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and Radiohead. <sighs> I really wanted to go to that show. I remember that I didn't have a debit card back then, so I couldn't buy a ticket. That sucks. <laughs> I was like, you guys buy me a ticket. That must have been a fun show. Like, I could imagine that being different every time when you go see Radiohead. Or is it weird? I don't know. Is it, it like cause also I feel like, like that seems like a band where they have less room to sort of jam out and improvise because they got all their laptops and techie shit on stage. So I feel like it probably kind of the same each time. But it, it was good because their songs are super good, and you know. I just mean in terms of what they play, because it seems like they're the kind of band that like will play stuff that's not on albums or like bizarre covers and junk. I don't know if they did that at your show. But I feel like they did that sometimes. I don't remember any I just only remember a cover where like Tom York was singing whatever the one acoustic song on In Rainbows is and then he like fucked up. And then he started playing Tell Me Why by Neil Young for some reason. It's like uh Fuck it, I'm not gonna play this whole song. And then he oh, he said surly. Yeah, man, he it was a it was a good-hearted fuck it. I don't. <laughs> he wasn't that surly, but yeah, it was a good show. Um, that Coldplay show, I remember there was a section where they they like went up to the front of the stage and they just like did like an acoustic sing along and they sing like that last song on X and Y. Which was supposedly, yeah, which was supposedly written for Johnny Cash, but then he died, and then they also played Ring of Fire after that. And when my parents picked me up, I could just like tell my dad, like, you know, Dad, they played Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. He's like, oh, cool. We'll <laughs> have to go next time. Because Johnny Cash is literally the only artist me and my dad like have in common as far as stuff that we he like. To? He doesn't listen to music. <laughs> Like, it's so weird, because his favorite hobby is running, and the only reason I, like, really can stand running is because I can, you know, listen to tunes and get pumped up, but he just doesn't listen to anything. Oh, man, that's funny. You know? Okay, there's there's a couple different, like, areas I feel like we could branch out with the conversation. One is talking about venues, outdoor, indoor, or something also that I was kind of thinking about that's kind of interesting is, like, what kind of like set lists or songs you expect to see from a certain band when, when you go to see them? Let's start with venues. Like, do you have a preference towards going to a band like outdoors or indoors? It's definitely indoors. I feel like it's more intimate. Yeah, I'm always a fan of the intimate concert experience. Like a 
medium-sized place like the Moore or the Paramount, which is another theater in Seattle, like something like that for me is perfect. Like I'm okay with like a smaller place too, because I've seen a couple bands that just like bar type places, which is also cool because that's like even more into it. But yeah, like I feel like this especially happens the few times I've been to festivals i guess i've only been to sasquatch that one time and then because they're making it harder and harder for normal people to go yeah non-rich <laughs> kids <laughs> yeah because that's the thing i guess i would also say i prefer a small intimate venue um you know preferably a smaller band these days because all the outdoor shows i've gone to i feel like there's always somebody who gets way too like drunk or way too high and then they're like stripping down and they're like got some weird piece of inflatable <laughs> Like pool furniture, and they're like throwing you it around. Something other than a volleyball? You're talking yeah. about like an inflatable raft? I went to this. Okay, this doesn't make any sense. Um, I went to Sasquatch for free a couple years ago because uh, my girlfriend won a contest. What mm-hmm. crazy, right? We went the whole weekend. That's awesome. It was awesome, except I feel like we went a year where it's like this is okay, but the like this year, like it's amazing lineup. It's like the Cure and stuff. Yeah. We went. It was pretty good. I mean, it was Outcast. Anyways, um, someone had, like, an inflatable, like, it was like a cow, but you, like, sit in it, and they're, like, it was, like, you know, surfing on on top of the crowd. Like, that's that's not even, like, a rock thing, but, like, people bring, like, crazy shit like that, and that was, like, that whole weekend is people bringing crazy shit and being, like, super wasted and super drunk, and I, I, I just, like, hate that because, like, you know, like, these were really expensive tickets, like, and you're, like... I feel like you're just so you're not even with it right now. You're not even like unless maybe like they're enjoying it more because they're so out of it. But like I feel like it really you can really easily get taken out of a show by like bizarre crowds. Well, because I feel like the thing about that is the people aren't necessarily there for the band. It's mm-hmm. like they're just there for the whole experience, the vibe, yeah. man. Just riding this chill vibe, catching some tunes, getting. Embarrassingly drunk. It's like, yeah, but you know, when you go to see one band at a at a venue, you know everybody's there to hear those songs that they love because they're <laughs> deeply invested in this artist. But like festivals, not as much. I don't know if it's too early to talk about our favorite shows. If we want to build up to that. That's like that's a serious question. <laughs> it's a serious question. The reason, the only reason I was thinking about it is because I think one of my favorite shows was at a small venue. Um, I guess I could share some of those, and then we'll just see where it goes. Um, but like, got to see Neutral Milk Hotel like a year or two ago, mm-hmm. and that was cool. That was in Portland, at what was it called, the Crystal Ballroom. And again, I don't know why all venues are like in buildings that are going to fall apart at any minute. But like we, you know, we go and it's like the second floor of like the oldest building I've ever been in. You're just standing there, it's like, oh, <laughs> and we're like basically front row. And you know, Nutrimal Cartel isn't like a band that like has played in a long time, and I think they're done now. They only did the two albums, you know, but they do have a very devout following. <laughs> they do, but like that was probably one of my favorite shows. It was intimate. Like one of the best parts of that show was uh, Jeff Mangum's guitar like he's playing an acoustic guitar but it was like it was like hooked up and like had like a little distortion on it or something and it like f- kept like glitching out and like fucking up so he just like 
he, he, was, he kept playing it, but you couldn't hear it. So he's basically just doing acapella, and the whole crowd sang with him. So he's trying to get people to sing to keep the song going. So he's doing Two-Headed Boy. Mm-hmm. Like, that was cool. Like, that's the kind of stuff I feel like you would never get, like, an outdoor concert. It would just get drowned out, but like, Because, <laughs> like, at outdoor shows, like, it didn't even matter who was playing. Like, I remember seeing Rodriguez. Remember him from that uh, that movie, the Searching for Sugar Man? Yeah. It was, like, some dude who, like, kept, like was, like, kept, like, grabbing me and, like... Oh, dude, fuck. <laughs> he's like, this is Rodriguez. He's like 70 years old. <laughs> this guy I, was I dead. Him. What am I looking fell at? Over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, I forgot to mention another outdoor show I went to. I don't know if that's probably like another conversation, but like when you go to like a... I'll, I'll, I'll save that one for later. But yeah, Intimate, that was like one of my favorite shows. Like I don't know if one of your favorite shows is a more intimate show or... Well, that, well, I mean, that concert definitely reminds me of one that I went to that was probably in a kind of similar vein. Though it's not my like my favorite concert, but it was a really good one, was the Mountain Goats, because that's another band yeah. with a very sort of <laughs> devoted cult-like following where it's like you're either... Well, it's kind of different because the Mountain Goats have a lot of albums. <laughs> so if you're into them, you're... Like all in, you yeah. have to listen to all. And then you be like, "Oh, I know, like the really deep cuts. Have you heard this album?" And like, "Oh, they played that song. I knew that song. Did you know that song?" Yeah. So like, when you see about Guts show, there's probably a good chance that John Dariel's just gonna reach into his giant bag of songs and whip out something that a moderate fan like myself probably hasn't heard. But it's also kind of cool. And I just remember like. I don't know if I've ever had like such a communal experience as a concert when he played the song this year, which is like one of their more famous songs, probably my favorite song of theirs, which is just like a great sing along and it's like a just a super life affirming song and just like to sing it in a room full of people is just like hopping up and down because it is like more sort of upbeat and anthemic than really any of their other songs was just amazing. What was that show? That was at the Showbox, which I'm fine with. Which one? Soto or, or Market? The original. The Market. Market. Um, That's a better one. Remember I went to see a show there. It was the Hives, and I was like by myself, so I'm like, okay, I'm doing I'm going front row. I made my way to the front row. the fuck out. But like, you just had to grip... And then just go for the ride. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, it's hard to see sometimes, and people are just going fucking nuts if the band is, like, a little up-tempo. And there'll be, like, a security guy who's, like, squirting water in your mouth because, like, you're dying. Like, you need it. Mm-hmm. I need water. I can't take it. I'm in the front. <laughs> I don't know if this is, like, appropriate transition, but, like, so, like, moshing. Like, how do you feel about moshing? I don't feel like I've ever been at a show where that's really been a Problem. There's a little moshing at Dinosaur Jr. Oh, yeah. I feel <laughs> like, yeah, whenever I see bands that sort of have connections to, like, the underground 80s punk scene where, you know, <laughs> hardcore and that basically moshing in general <laughs> originated, like, there'll be some old guys that, like, I'm gonna get in there, man, relive my Just like the old days. <laughs> Just like the old days. Because I kind of had that thing uh, when I saw Bob Mold, too, and he was like playing some Husker Do songs. And the old guy's just like, come on, man, let's get a mosh going. <laughs> and like, no one else is really into it. 
You know, it's one of those things where, like, I'll never get it. I'll never get what's fun about it. Because I feel like the thing about a mosh is, like, I'm going to start pushing and, like, kind of punching. Yeah. Like, what? you can't really, like, enjoy. I guess you're like, I'm feeling the music. <laughs> it's controlling my body. Whoops. But I feel like people always just get, like, falling down. And there's a bunch of people that don't want to do it. They get sucked into it. <laughs> it's like, this is Whoa! my nightmare. No. <laughs> I'm being consumed by fear <laughs> and hate. I just feel like, like when I saw the uh, the hives, there's some of that going on. I was not having it. I was, I felt like the Hulk. I was like pushing little brats all over the place. It's pissing me off, <sighs> which sucks because I like to be close to the band and I like seeing like rock shows, uh, like that are fast. And but I, I don't know. I just feel can't we just like kind of jump, like bob our heads, you know, <laughs> jump up and down? Why do we have to fight? I don't get it. Yeah. I've gone to so many bands where that happens, and it's it did not seem appropriate. There's a little bit of it at Neutral Milk Hotel. I'm afraid to go to any like show that's like a little bit like rock now at a small venue, which is pretty much all shows I go to. Which is why I'm not looking forward to seeing Baby Metal this summer. <laughs> I'm gonna get killed. Are you? <laughs> I don't even know what the crowd for that is. I don't know. Well, it's weird because you think it's gonna be a bunch of nerds, but at the same time. Fucking metal. This for people who don't know. This is basic baby metal. Is well, it's basically what it sounds like. It's yeah. metal for <laughs> music for babies. It's Japanese pop metal. They took yeah. a Japanese pop group and like let's put like heavy metal guitars behind it and make it fucking raw. Mm-hmm. I uh, will not be attending that yeah. show. <laughs> um, but yeah, not about moshing. You know, you brought up Bob Mould, and that got me thinking about like seeing older artists. Like that's something that's that's kind of an interesting thing for us. Is you know, is it worth seeing like bands that? Oh, I'm just like like such a big like Husker D fan, but I really love seeing like like Bob Mould's like recent stuff, or, or you know, like all sorts of bands. Like, I mean, I guess it depends. Like that's like that's like with Bob Mould, that'd be like cool because he still like does like, good stuff. But like, yeah, he rocks like <laughs> him and. <laughs> It's the two guys that go out with them, Jason Arducci and John Worcester, like they just go out there and just go for it yeah. full throttle. Because these are guys, these are like lifelong indie rockers, and they're just so committed to it. And they just like, like whenever I see videos of Bob Bold playing live, like I feel like he's, he's the only rock I've ever seen. Like his glasses always fog up by the end of the show because he's so sweaty and there's all this condensation right. forming. But in like Dinosaur Gina, that was a good show too. But I feel like those guys have like it helped that they were more kind of like underground and you know, they weren't, you know, striving for the big radio hits so they could kind of can remain consistent throughout the years. But I feel like there's a period of time where I was experimenting with seeing, like, big, like, artists that were, like, older. And I feel like, for the most part, it hasn't worked out throughout my life. Like, seeing... I mean, like, I, we've both seen Cry Souls and Nash at different shows just somehow. very strange. <laughs> and that was okay, but, like, if, if someone asked me to do it, like, again, I probably wouldn't. Like, it's just, like, so sad to see, like, Steven Stills being, like, Oh, carry on. <laughs> yeah. That's how he sings now. Down in Woodstock. <laughs> Certain artists just don't hold up and it destroys your memory. Or, like, well, I don't I, it destroys your memory. It destroys your memories. <laughs> well, I'm glad at least that I got to see Carly Sills and Nash because 
Neil Young was with them, so I can at least say I've seen Neil Young, I even probably, though yeah, I, I, I would st- I would still see him like solo. I never have. But like, I've seen a handful of bands. Um, I went to uh, the Beach Boys, yeah. and it felt so artificial, and it felt like those fair shows I'd been to before, mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't know, they just. I mean, for one thing, it didn't help that the Beach Boys kept talking about, like, oh, here's a song from 1961. I mean, even if it was from that, it's like, don't remind me. <laughs> and then it's just so Your dad is as old as this song. <laughs> and making stupid jokes about that. And then just, like, having, like, the hugest backup band that is doing, like, all the heavy lifting. It's mm. like, at that point, why are you even, like, playing? And just bashing out hit after hit after hit. Like, you know, I... I'm just I'm not interested in seeing the greatest hits, and I feel like I it's funny because I keep trying to see shows like that. Like I keep like trying to get tickets to like oh should I go see the Who? Should I go see this? Should I go see that? And obviously some of these are like big artists and like defined like a lot of our you know tastes. I'm, I'm still on. sad that I didn't get Bruce Springsteen tickets. Like I've heard there's certain that, ones that are different. Like I've Bruce heard this latest River tour is supposed to be pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever like, get a chance. I'm not like see. super bummed out that I'm not seeing whatever the who is like today <laughs> yeah i mean there are definitely some artists where it's like it almost feels better not to see them right. because it's like the way that they live in your mind is almost better than you could possibly imagine them like the who it's like maybe i just want to think of that version of them with keith Boone and john s whistle just because it's like that that almost seems to be like the greatest live band yeah. that there's ever been. I want to see Pino Palladino. Or yeah. <laughs> like he's a good bass player, but it's just like you put in the John Mayer trio. Exactly. <laughs> that dude can play a guitar better than you think he would. He actually can. That's probably pretty. That's probably a pretty good show. Yeah. But yeah. All the nostalgia acts I go to. You know, it's almost not even as much like the band. Like, I get that their whole thing is, like, we're going to come here, we're going to bash out all the greatest hits. Sometimes it's, like, the crowd is a weird vibe. Like, like when I saw Crisis and Nash at the Chateau Saint-Michel, and, like, you, like it's, it's, it's annoying enough being around drunk, you know, like, young teens who are like, I'm going to a festival. It's about 20 times worse seeing, like, a 50-year-old man like that. And be like, whoa, I remember listening to these when I was a teenager, dude. And, like, a guy, like, a drunk guy fell on me <laughs> at, at, uh, at like, um, Crossfield's National. He was probably someone's dad. He was, like, 50. He's had, like, tight, like, denim shorts. And he, like, fell over. You and think then he's those like, wore his same denim shorts from, like, 1978? Oh, they still fit. He falls over on me, and then he goes over, and his wife's yelling at him the whole rest of the time. And I just remember, like, people were, like, really into it, like, when they're playing, I think, Southern Cross or something, with their stupid tie-dye t-shirts, being like, yeah, like, this is, like, so embarrassing. (laughs) I I feel bad, because, like, that's the music they grew up with, that's what they like, but, like, I hate, like, this is my memory of the band. They have their memories of them from the past, but, like, oh, my God, this is what I'm being left with. Your weird, like, how you see them now is now my current memory of this band. You know, it's crazy that we keep bringing them up, because, um... I think it's so hilarious that they're one of the first bands I saw, and I, I remember my dad saying they're the first band he ever saw. That's a long stretch of time. He saw them in 1969. So I bet that was a better show. Of course it was a better <laughs> show. I think that one was kind of embarrassing, but probably the worst was uh, I went to a super nostalgia show called Hippie Fest. Mm. 
and that was Turtles, who I've seen like three times, and Janice Ian. And who is Janice Ian? She's like at seventeen, I learned the truth that love was never beauty queens. Oh yeah, that song. That's also the, the name of that one character in Mean Girls. Okay. The the gothy girl. I don't know why, but that's just fun fact for you. Well, but that was a rock talk fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> but I cannot get. But I also had Joey Mullen from Badfinger because he's the only living member. Uh, and the only reason we went was to see Jack Bruce, which was actually cool. Like, that made it kind of worth it. Like, the rest of it was super cringy. Oh, I also saw Jonathan Edwards, who does the song Sunshine Come Away Today. He opened the show. That's he usually just played that and one other song and then left. It's like, that's good. You know why you're here. Yeah. He seemed okay. <laughs> um, but Jack Bruce, like, that was different because he didn't necessarily go out and. Like, I mean, he played, like, Sunshine 11 stuff, but he, like, improvised and made the songs, like, 10 minutes long. And that was cool. Like, that's what I want to see, but so many of those older bands won't, like, do that. They're not going to, like, free, like stray from what you, like, expect. They're going to play. They're going to do exactly what you expect them to do. So I'm really hesitant about seeing those kind of shows now. When I was young, I was like, i got to see all the bands. i got to see all the bands that I like, you know, like. But I feel like it's kind of like come back around now, that feeling, because there's. You know, the idea that they might be dying soon because those old rockers are getting to be up there in their 60s and 70s, and I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever see Paul McCartney. That's definitely on my bucket list. What are are you seeing bucket list artists? I mean, getting back to the thing about uh, not, like, (laughs) making a choice not to see some of your favorite living artists live, I guess the big one for me is Bob Dylan. Because I feel like every person I've ever heard from that seen Bob Dylan live has been kind of disappointed. I've seen Bob Dylan live. And I know it's fine. Yeah, you're not missing out on that much. Yeah, because he's you know one of my idols, and I I would kind of rather just like hold him in that high regard that I have. And I'm, like he's such a mythic guy that maybe I just don't need to see <laughs> what don't. what he is at this point. It's funny that that's, like, one of your biggest regrets because one of my... Actually, my number one biggest regret is one that you saw, which is The Replacements. Oh, yeah. Like, if we're getting to talk about favorite shows, like, that's not really a show because they played Bumbershoot, so it was a festival, but it was still, like, yeah, like, maybe my favorite concert experience ever just because it was, like, a band that were definitely before my time when they were together and I never knew if I was going to see them live and it was it was awesome because uh, <laughs> that was a band where kind of part of their charm was their sloppiness and how much they didn't give a shit about being professional yeah. and so a reunion kind of would seem antithetic to that yeah. but it was like it was just professional enough like, like they had a really good drummer backing them up because Chris Mars just is retired from music, so yeah. the only original members were Tommy Stinson, the bass player, and then Paul Westerberg. But it was like Paul and Tommy were definitely having fun up there. Like Paul would like totally forget words to songs, That's which so was funny. something that he did back back in the eighties, <laughs> and like. 
Like, it was the only show where I've, like, like seen an artist that actually made me laugh out loud in the middle of a song. And especially because he was singing Androgynous. And he was doing kind of, you know, a half-assed, like, version of it. And right in the middle of the song, he just drops the microphone accidentally and just goes, thump! <laughs> with perfect comic tie. It was just... It was awesome. Yeah. yeah, that sounds that sounds good. Because I've I've been to lots of shows where it's like everything is so perfect, mm-hmm. and that just feels like real organic. And that's probably like pretty close to what it was like back when they were young. Maybe even a little better because they're not quite as drunk. Maybe yeah, exactly. it might be better now. <laughs> it might be. So that's definitely like up there. It's like ah, oh, I can't believe I didn't see that. Um, I'm hoping I get my like chance again because I feel like they're always talking about like oh maybe we'll do it again it was fun you know maybe we'll record I don't know maybe we'll just never do anything ever again yeah I mean they they did that one tour after doing a few festival gigs yeah like and then I one. missed that show too <laughs> and then they were just like nope this isn't working <laughs> we're done again oh great yeah who knows for how long yeah so that's that's tricky I'm like oh god should I go should I not go is this my last chance ever I feel like with every McCartney tour, it's like, this is the last chance ever. But, like, that's bullshit. There's only so much I'm willing to spend on, like, a concert ticket. What's your, like, normal, like, how much are you willing to spend usually on a show? I don't know. Like, at this one I've gotten into just not even bothering for the most part with shows that are more than, like, $40. I mean, I definitely spend was willing to go out of my way to spend the $70 ticket for Sasquatch when I saw the replacements because you mean Bumbershoot? yeah Bumbershoot yeah, Bumbershoot. yeah Bumbershoot. whatever but um because it literally was like I think I made a deal with myself <laughs> years before that it's like shake your own yes like the cover of Please to Meet Me <laughs> it's yeah. just like if those guys ever get back together again I'm seeing them no matter what end of story <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely some bands where I felt like, oh, that's definitely my attitude, but like... Then it happens, you're like, eh. fun. Well, like The the Cure, but yeah. like they're only doing festivals, and I fucking hate going to festivals now because they're so expensive. I think the most I ever spent on a concert ticket was Beach Boys. It, it's like I bought it and they weren't super expensive, but then there was just like unlimited fees. It just kept hiking. It, it the kept worst getting higher and higher as I was like checking out online. Yeah. It ended up being like upwards of $86 and like I sat down like as far back as you could like on this huge grass lawn all these people around me had like fondue kits and like picnic blankets (laughs) I was by myself and people were like oh do you want some like fondue kits yeah there was someone that had a fondue kit at a rock concert like which one's Brian I can't think of anything less rock and roll than a fondue kit yeah. And they, they barely knew, like, it's like, oh, the Beach Boys, I know, yeah. Yeah, Surfing USA. Surfing USA. Uh. <laughs> 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 Surf <girls>. City. Sucks in it, yeah. You gotta, you gotta be with the right guy. enough like our, our concert conversation i think we've covered a lot of ground here so let's move on to a new segment i guess everything here is new because it's the first time i've ever done this podcast 
And Colin, I think you recommended pretty. You suggested a pretty good name with an oldie and a newie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a placeholder to to be announced. Autumn is scowling at me right now for that name. <laughs> Until we think of something better. I like this idea though. This idea is like talking about an old album to recommend. You know, maybe you know, because maybe some people don't listen to a lot of older music, and then something new that you've heard. They're like, hey. That's not so bad. Check that out, too. So what should we start with? Should we start with the oldie? Sure. <laughs> really hate that. Okay, anyways. So what what, what old, older stuff have you listened to lately? I mean, this is a weird segment to do right now, because I feel like I haven't been listening to as much old music. Like, I usually try to uh, go to one of my local record shops yeah. and pick up some vinyl stuff but it's been a while just because i've been <laughs> a little tight on money but there's some coming in so i'll probably be able to go do a record store run sometime soon but i remember the last time we were at easy street mm-hmm. here in west seattle i picked up this compilation of the band love folk rock slash garage rock band fronted by this guy Arthur Lee that's his name yeah and I had always loved their third album that pun wasn't intended but uh, (laughs) you know it it happens yes it was enjoyed (laughs) Uh, Forever Changes is the name of that album and it's just like one of the I think one of the best rock albums ever. It's kind of an underrated classic. Like, if you haven't heard it, please go check it out. It's it it doesn't really sound like any other album. It's not like quite psychedelic, not quite folk. It's somewhere like in the middle. Yeah, like it feels almost like a garage rock album, but done with all acoustic instruments. And there's like some like mariachi like weird string stuff thrown in there too it's just a very odd mix and like I feel like it's kind of everything the doors were trying to do <laughs> like this dark underbelly of LA uh, sort of personified and despite loving them I'd never really given too much uh, consideration to their first two albums, which are a lot more garage I rocky. I don't know if I've heard them. <laughs> They're a lot more electric and like, yeah, it definitely blends in with sort of all those nugget spans that were <laughs> oh, yeah. going on at the time. Uh, like, you know that song Seven and Seven is, right? Yeah. Like, that's that song's crazy. It's so, like, heavy. It's like punk in a way it's so yeah. fast and it's like it almost like it's like apocalyptic almost it's really an intense song but uh i don't think any of their other early stuff is that <laughs> that intense but it's it's good i'm, I'm glad i finally checked it out <laughs> okay i mean yeah i've always wanted to check out more of the stuff but i mean forever changes that's 
like, why would I need more? But yeah. <laughs> um, so old, old stuff I've been listening to, uh, mostly a lot of like shitty stuff like Kiss, but I did listen to, and I was telling you about this earlier, uh, an album that I tried out for the first time, and actually uh, I got kind of into it, and that was Holy Dive by Dio. Like, you think, oh, I really like horror movies. I like rock music. I must love heavy metal. But it's it's always been such an uphill battle. Like, I feel like so much of heavy metal is not melodic. It's really like cheesy and lame. I mean, if we're talking about like '80s stuff, and then like when you get more more to modern metal, it just seems so like I don't know, overly melodramatic and just crazy. But I feel like there's certain bands like Black Sabbath. Or like Dio, who took over Black Sabbath at some point, who ride that fine line in between just like hard rock and metal, where it's like the guitars are pretty like crunchy, but like it's still pretty melodic. And like Holy Diver and like like uh, you know Rainbow in the Dark and all that stuff. That stuff's like it's you can sing along to it too, and like it's never like too fast. All the songs just kind of like chug along with chunk 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 chunk. It's always like a it's like a horse gallop. And and he's like a like a fun guy like. To listen to and kind of get behind because he seemed like he's a pretty like positive guy he's just like having a good time he wasn't like super serious about it like i mean all the stuff he's singing about and all their album covers have that stupid looking demon man on the cover <laughs> and that was fun uh and it's like short too it's like 38 minutes or something you know so it's a good length um so i feel like yeah if you i've always been like kind of curious about like metal but like just it's some some of it just sounds like too like crazy or for like you don't like Metallica because you think, oh, this is just like thrash music. Then I feel like you can find that nice middle ground with like Dio or like some Black Sabbath or something. So that's what I've been listening to. <laughs> I feel like I'm being scolded every time I listen to Metallica. Like, hey, you, fuck that! <laughs> Go to your room! <laughs> you know, and there's like some like critical praise like behind like a handful of their albums, but I've yeah. never gotten into like Master of Puppets or Master. like. Master! Master! <laughs> it's too angry. It makes me feel bad. <laughs> I don't like I don't like the thrashing and the fighting and the <laughs> scary songs about like your dad being the boogeyman and stuff. <laughs> just makes me uncomfortable. I get why people like it. I just don't want to be put in that mindset. I just want to hear about like knights and stallions if I'm listening to demons and wizards. <laughs> but it can't be too lame, and it can't have synths. And you're gonna ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what ruins that kind of music. Okay, what about newer stuff? What have you been? What's been in the Colin playlist? <laughs> well, I just reviewed on the blog this album by uh, Frankie Cosmos. to give you a frame of reference weirdly enough she is kevin klein and phoebe cates's daughter oh, that's crazy i know which i feel like kind of inherently ruins her indie cred she definitely <laughs> has a sort of rich parents i don't know moderate is kevin klein that rich? <laughs> is he raking in the big bucks <laughs> from that last vegas um money? he's gonna be in the beauty and the beast live action movie as mm. maurice okay <laughs> <laughs> but no, her songs are... I don't know. 
it seems like the kind of artist I usually wouldn't be into because they're very sort of, I don't know, twee. <laughs> There's sort of a cuteness to it, but it's also at the same time, I, I really like her lyrics. They're very sort of dry and, I don't know, observant. <laughs> but it's weird because she has a similar sort of trajectory to another band I've been sort of excited about because she is an artist who sort of for several years it's like high school she's been recording stuff on Bandcamp the music website and sort of releasing that and now she's finally jumped to like a you know legitimate indie label I can't remember which one she's on yeah. and then there's this other artist who's basically done the same thing uh, Car Seat Headrest who's a Seattle band and they have a band coming or they have a album coming out in a few weeks that I'm really excited about. There's a song, uh, Drunk Drivers Slash Killer Whales, that I've been listening to just constantly. It's really awesome. And uh, not enough bands coming out of Seattle now. <laughs> Always like to see it. Uh, is there something else I'm excited about? Oh, I also listened to the new Radiohead a couple oh, times yeah, today. those guys. You might not have heard of them. They're pretty, like, <laughs> yeah. underground. Uh, I have not made a decision yet about how much I like it because it's a Radiohead album and I feel like that always has to sit um, for a little while. You need to kind of get in there into this creepy... <laughs> it kind of bugs me that I feel like... Thing. I haven't checked yet, but I feel like it's only a matter of time. Like Pitchfork is just waiting to give it a best new music. They're just waiting. They're no, they sitting did. The, they did. Oh, I mean... They gave it a 9.1 out of 10. I must have didn't know that because like yeah. I want to go into it like... Because I feel like they even gave like King of Limbs like really great reviews, and I feel like I don't think they did. Actually. Maybe they didn't. That's okay. why I was kind of, I don't know, hesitant about this new album. Like if if I even needed to get that invested in it, because King of Limbs kind of seemed like it could have been the turning point where Radiohead started being less interesting because yeah. that album seems sort of half-assed but then i kind of read that radiohead sort of <laughs> by their design <laughs> intended that album to be half-assed like they weren't concentrating yeah it's like, it's like nine tracks like 38 minutes long yeah they're more just like we just want to screw with some weird rhythms and shit and like see how that works right. out and it kind of felt like that <laughs> in retrospect but this album again these are just first impressions because yeah. I've only listened to it like twice. It, it feels like a classic Radiohead album where you need to kind of go deep and like just <laughs> immerse yourself into it and see where that takes you, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Not that many bands are able to do that nowadays. I'll still want to take my time with it. I feel like a lot of people have so, been so hungry for new Radiohead that they'll. I, I feel like they will like be ready to like praise it immediately but I'm sure it actually is good there's a reason they have that reputation it's because they do good albums mm -hmm. so I mean what I've heard so far sounds pretty good I don't think I've made it all the way through yet but I'm ready to <laughs> it's gonna be a mystical journey speaking of mystical journeys the only other album I could think of I don't even like it that much but it's really stuck with me lately for some reason because I work in the music department right now and you know we, we shuffle through so many playlist CDs in the store and there's one from an artist that I didn't used to like and I still don't know if I do but the album always kind of grabs me it's Ray LaMontagne you know that guy
of him. He's kind of like I've been hearing of him for years. He's, but I he's don't supposed know to be like does. alternative southern rock. Okay. Like like my morning jacket or something, but he's very mainstream feeling most of the time. Like it's like it's like one of the like when you say I really like indie music. I really like Foster the People. You know, you pick a band that's like pretty popular, like Ray Montaigne. I feel like sells like pretty well. You know, but this album was like kind of like seventies ish and trippy and fun. And then I noticed that, you know, I mentioned My Wearing Jacket. The whole album was produced by Jim James, and he mm. plays on a lot of it and does all the backup vocals. So that was kind of cool. And like, there's like really like long songs that just like very like hippie ish, but you can still feel like a little like tidbits of like, oh, he wants to like turn this into a pop single or something. I don't know. It, but it was it's interesting. It's, it's fun to hear an album that has like unique sounding instruments on it. You, you're sure like Jim James, like he probably brought up all this weird shit that he wanted to try on it, weird gear. So I like I like all the retro flair to it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's one I, I guess I could recommend someone check out, you know? If, if you were always like on the fence about Ray LaFontaine, <laughs> maybe this will, put, you know, this will take you where you want to go. Uh, aside from that, no. Uh, most of the albums I keep trying out are, have been disappointments this year for me. Like, oh, Violent Femmes have a new album out. Oh, man. It's not good. I don't know if you tried that out. Mm-mm. It wasn't very good. Okay. I'm just thinking now, like, what is an album I could <laughs> recommend to John that's a surefire thing? I mean, I think everything you just said sounds good to me. Yeah. You don't think I like those? No, definitely <laughs> check out that car seat headrest album when it comes out. You'd probably like it. Um... What if I... I don't know. <laughs> there hasn't been too many things that I've been, like, blown away by. But we'll see. The year is still young. And I'm sure it'll pop up on the blog. And that blog is mildlypleased.com, where you can find this podcast. You can also find it on iTunes by searching Mildly Please or Rock Talk, however we decide to spell it. Or if that ends up being the final name, you'll know shortly. Thanks for joining us. And I'll see you on that long and winding road. Responsibility. Drunk drivers, drunk drivers. It doesn't have to be like that.